0: Scott, I know you said NC on the other end of that because I need you to talk about uh, best practice as well, Uh, but we're kind of starting with
1: worst practice before before getting into best practice, but please go. So, well, if you want to start with worst practice, worst practice is uh, where MSPs rely on distributors or vendors to provide install base opportunities, whether they be renewals, expand, uh, uh, whatever the case may be. So, I'm, I'm always attacking it for, with my entrepreneur hat on. I look at other MSPs and I just really want them to take control of their data set because if they don't have their arms around their own data, whether it's the pre-sales data, the marketing data, or in our world, the point of sale data that's flowing through the business, they're not really grabbing hold of, you know, they call it the new oil New oil's great, but you can't actually run crude oil through your, pl- your engine. You've got to actually refine it to make it worth uh, using. So, you know, in best practice world, automate everything. Automate the quoting. Automate the expand sales. Automate the extend sales. Automate the protect or what we call protect, which is the renewal Component, we call it protect only because you may not want to do a renewal. You may want to change them to cloud or a different product or whatever the case may be. And then surrender. You know, the biggest opportunity I see there talking to the entire channel is surrender. No one handles end of life or end of support properly. They don't proactively get out to a customer, let's say, 180 days before that event. And say, so, you know, Mr. Customer, that platform, that product or whatever it is they're using is not going to work in 180 days or it's not going to be supported by a manufacturer. So, best practice is getting your arms around that install store based data so that you can then make decisions that are on in the best interest of your customer. And um, as I said, it's all about making them successful with their customer base by giving them the data that they can make decisions on.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm intrigued because really, I've got what a, a question to Dan. Um, Dan, um, how relevant is point of sale data uh, to the data that you need to turn something into a relevant targeted you know marketing uh, uh, campaign data is
2: critical because look at you can't like we were talking about just if i was saying earlier if i don't have the data of who my ideal customer is what their blueprint is what they do what's their buying decisions if we don't see those things and no one understand those it's really hard to put a go to market strategy together or it's really hard for a business to be able to actually you know, have a good business conversation. So, I think it's absolutely critical that the data is there. You understand it. Um, you know what it means, and and to be able to use it in your sales process.
0: And what would you say uh, if, if 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 an MSP says to you, "Yeah, Dan, but my data really bad. It's really messy."
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that's a that's an action point that you got to work with them on. I mean. And that's the case most of the time. You know, most of the time we're dealing with people that don't have any data or they're, it, it's just not all put together. So it takes mm. time. For mm. us, what we typically do, if you have absolutely no data or you just tell us it's in a thousand spots, we go back and we go, okay, who's your best customer? Why are they your best customer? What's going on inside their organization that makes them a good customer to you? And you're kind of reverse engineering it, you know, to really understand. They're like, who are you really looking for then when you're trying to go out and help them acquire more?
0: Yes, so true, so valid. And how quickly, suddenly, that crappy data that I think they had gets rearranged in a different way, and it's suddenly it's golden data. Gold. You 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 need to talk to that because you see that every day.
1: Oh well, every day, Nick. And in fact, we're just loading up another one now. And you know, uh, with the technical account manager and the salesperson you know, they're pulling their hair out because they're going, well, they don't have this data. Actually, the best way to look at it is they've got data. It's just not been collected for how we want to repurpose it. So I always always give them the don't panic. In 12 months' time, it'll be clean data that you can actually use. But don't try and clean 40,000 records before you load up. Clean as you go, 100 a day, 50 a day, 20 a day, whatever it is. And in 12 months or 13 months time, if you're on 12 month type contracts, that data will be crystal clear. And if you look at, you know, one of one of our customers, they started with basically a 22% attach rate that they knew of. Within 13 months, they are at 84% attach rate. And then with a couple of other tweaks, they got to the mid 90s. So, it, it, I mean, it, they're now making uh, half of their revenues out of that uh, data being manipulated to... Um, get the outcomes thereafter and they only have to forecast their net new is 50% of their business so it makes life a lot easier for them.
0: Yeah, I had the dad I had a conversation yesterday uh, with an MSP who who's uh, very very keen on all, all all things automation to becoming a a truly a true technology company <laughs> rather than just sell technology but be one as um and it was, you know, like eleven months into a cycle of, um, no, 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 don't clean up your data. Um, use your data, and it'll clean up. And eleven months later, saying, "How did you know? How did you know? And how do you how do you respond to someone without being rude? Like, you know, because it's damn obvious <laughs> if you use your data for a particular." for a particular thing that, that it wasn't originally collected for, you'll clean it up in a way where you can actually use it to minimize churn rather than use it to invoice and say this is what I sold this month, right? So what's, what's your advice to someone who says my data is really, really bad? Scott's is, you know, use it for a month. What's, what's, what's your advice?
2: I, I mean, look, from a data perspective, I think it's really... Um It's hard for us because from my angle, data for us is like a customer list. It's a CRM. Do you have things organized? Do we at least know who? Like, you know what I mean? It's a persona. You're building out that profile because what we're trying to help enable you is is to help you with data of who are we going after. So it goes back to like what I was saying earlier on the one thing is just we got to understand who that is to Mm -hmm. whereas is then we can build the campaigns to actually make sense to that person to get it in front of that person to make it relevant to convert for that person so if you have really bad data i mean that's a problem when it comes to marketing uh, because you're, you're spending money especially if you're someone that's going to invest in ads and other things you're wasting your money if you don't have good data so i think it's really important that you clean your right. data have a good list have a good target who's your top 100 i always ask people who are your top 50 and your top 100 like you don't need to have list of thousands Yes, it's good for drip marketing and things like that down the road. But like, who are those top fifty people? How do we target them? What do we build? How do we get things going? So for me, I look at data differently. Totally agree with what Scott's saying, though, is in terms of cleaning it up and, and getting that processes going and what it can do. But from my side, like I'm on like the from where I'm at, it's really about that that list and that understanding of the customer and the MSP of like who they're trying to acquire.
0: Right. Right, yeah, no, that's that that, that makes sense because um, we get I, I, we get asked a lot about in in, in, in after, after these channel talks. Uh, you talk a lot about um, what to do, um, which is kind of like a focus. But I've been getting asked a lot to talk to you talk to your guests about what happens if you don't do it. What happens if you don't do what you're talking about, Dan? What happens to the MSP if they and, and I really. I wanted to ask you this question uh, sincerely because you've lived in the MSP. So it's like, what, what would you tell, you know, your, your, your MSP colleagues now that you're out of it and in the vendor world and vice versa? Um, you know, what are you telling you know, Kaseya? What were, have you been telling Casaya and potentially other vendors about what they need to know about each other that they're missing at the moment?
2: Look, I think it's really important that any product or service you have that you have a good relationship with your vendor. It, it's it's critical today. You have to have it out there from an MSP perspective. If if you're not out there trying to acquire new business, um, if you're not out there, you know, I mean, I mean, this consistently doing activities doesn't mean you're out there having to run and figure out 65 posts and do all these things. You know, we've been talking about automation a lot. There's lots of tools and ways to do that. Um, what's really important is if you're not out there marketing, getting your brand out there, building exposure for your business, you're going to get passed by MSPs that are actively doing it. They're catching the eye of a person that maybe is having a problem or an issue that you're just not solving. And they're just not in that relationship. And they see a service that you're just not doing. And next thing you know, you're on churn management, trying to save them and things like that. Why not be proactive? We we're out there today as MSPs, selling a proactive approach why are we not proactive on our marketing our customer attainment and things like that and i think that's one of the struggles is msps is time management um you know and it's really one of those things that you know we're trying to make sure that msps can get that time back but it's really really important that you have a consistent marketing plan that you're building a brand and an image for yourself, because if you're not, the ones that are, they're going to leapfrog and pass you.
0: Yeah, I love that, mate. Because where I was, where I was getting to, and Scott, when I first spoke to Dan, um, I wrote two things down uh, that, that that he said. He, he, he talked about the extreme amounts of opportunity that are coming to the MSP at the moment. Um, extreme could sound frightening because it's volume, uh, unless it's managed well. Uh, but he also kept mentioning proactive, which uh, which which Dan just did. Then, you know, it's not like uh, the, the the old days where you just set up shop and customers needed to buy off you because it was going off the charts. There is extreme opportunity, but it's not just been given away. It's the proactive ones that are that 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 are, that, that are winning it. It's no longer going out there even in. And doing the three, four quotes, who's gonna, who's gonna come back? It's whoever was proactive in giving them unsolicited proposals that they would never have thought of if it wasn't for them. How does that relate to what you're seeing in terms of, uh, you know, best practice in the MSP environment?
1: Uh, well, I think to pull one of Dan's comments apart, it's time management, and it's time management from the point of view that the, the leader of the MSP, whoever that is, or it might be a division or whatever. Needs to pull themselves out of the business and not just do it all day, every day, because this is the problem, right? Especially the smaller MSPs, the leader is absolutely working their proverbial off to make sure that the business does what it needs to do. But how do you coach someone to get step out of the business and look back in, even if it's only an hour a day or half an hour a day, whatever they can afford? so that they're actually working on the business, not in the business, so that they can then move towards this proactivity and this automation. That's the hard part, I think, for most of the MSPs because they're just hand-to-mouthing most of it and they feel they can't stop. But if they don't get that, that outside in view, they're never going to change the way the MSP goes to market and make it more successful. Okay, so in that regard, one of the threats that, MSPs are talking
0: to me about, regardless of where you are in the world, is oh, I can't compete against the global guys. I can't compete against the global guys because they've got a better relationship with the vendor. To your point, Dan, you know, how good is your relationship with your vendor? And in my experience in, you know, decades of, uh, of, of working in distribution, it's the same thing. The best relationship you could have with your, with your vendor is where you're the most proactive and you're, give, and you're giving them things that they wouldn't even have expected of you. And are building your market and building your market for you, and that's been traditionally the, the the sweet spot of a local or a regional MSP versus a global MSP, who tends to provide a lot of transaction value to the to the to the vendor, uh, making their, their their transaction costs uh, lower and more and the transaction more frictionless. Completely different ends of the spectrum. Do they eventually come together? Um, is it best that they're, they're kept apart and the value is different? Uh, Dan, what's your your view on that?
2: I mean, look, I look at things a little bit differently. A lot of people say there's larger, you know, worldwide MSPs that are that are taking us out because they have better buying power or they got better, you know, so that. But it comes down to relationships, and people want to do business with humans. They don't want to do things with all. I mean, in certain cases, when you're talking IT support you want to be able to pick up a phone and and have that conversation and get answers when you're dealing with your business. And that's something that the localized regionalized MSPs really have the floor and can dominate that market. Um, And I think if you're doing a really good job with relationships, you're proactively having conversations in, in those things, you really have, you shouldn't have anything to worry about as long as from an MSP perspective, that your stack is is you're constantly uh, you know evaluating your stack your offering are you offering you know protection for compliance for cyber insurance policies you know the world's changing threats change all the time and you as long as you're positioning your tool stack to be able to support the the world that we have that's in front of us and thinking a little bit ahead if you can and you're communicating that value to your customers I don't think if you're a regional MSP versus a master global MSP that you're competing because people want to do business based off relationships. Focus your attention on building better business relationships. And I don't think at that point it matters how big your MSP is.
0: Well, I, I love the topic because it's so important because we get lost in this whole world of we have to automate everything, right? And every time you look at you know a, a podcast or a video or a training video or something from anyone who is associated with these these new ecosystems that we talk about, whether they be uh, focused on an MSP or a vendor or or a distributor or or all three and how that channel comes together, uh, there just seems to be a lot of talk now about automation. That's great. It has to be because how else do you digitally transform? That's really important. But somehow, Scott and Dan, what, what what Dan's been talking about has been lost a bit, and that is that, no, but we still need to be people. I, I want you guys to talk to that, but I want to give an example to my viewers. Uh, of Last week, when I walked into one of our customers, so they're obviously in Sydney. Um, I won't mention who they are, but they'll know who I'm talking about. And I said, see that area there? And there was like about 20 people. And I said, they're the people that use your technology, that are basically creating... You know, campaigns, sales campaigns for 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 um for for our customers. I said, yeah, that's great." And He goes, "See over there, you know, there was like about 150 people." And I said, "Yeah." He said, "That well, that's our kind of customer success team. That's who takes these proposals to customers." And well, that's pretty impressive. And he goes, "You know what? Two years ago, it was the other way around. Two years ago, it was the other way around. We were 200 people doing the automation and 20 people doing the actual." Um, taking it to the customer and still having that personal uh, uh, personal flow. But the cost in their business has just been pulled out like crazy. And they've really majestically reduced costs, but their, their revenues are off the charts because they've got more people selling something of relevance. Um, I, 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 we're getting to the top of the hour, and I would love to just close on a conversation around that because, Dan, you've said it too many times for me to ignore, and that is the Personal relationship.
2: Yeah, I I mean, I'll start and then Scott, I'll let you close this out. I mean, look, I think you should automate a lot of things. And there's a lot of things you should be automating because it gives you the data to make the proper decisions. And as a business owner, if you're not looking at AI and intelligence and things like that, you're you're not going to be in a good spot. You're going to get passed. I mean, it's it's because you're going to have people that are outsmarting you and, and, and doing those things. Um you know when I go back to is think about it when you're growing that business though I mean do you like are you the person if you're an MSP that's watching right now do you like to pick up the phone and have a conversation when your vendor when you have a problem when you have an issue with something going on is that something that's important to you because if it is it's probably the same to your customer and how we respond as a vendor is important just as it is for you to your customer so I think if there's anything it's looking at that VCIO role Um, Looking at somebody that can really go in, understand the business. When I was an MSP, what made me the most successful was that I told people, I don't want to just be your MSP. I want to have a seat at the executive table of your business. I want to be a part of understanding where you're going. What are the KPIs? What are we trying to achieve here? Because if I don't know those things, how do I help make sure your technology is aligned? And at that point, people really came back. And when we were closing deals, I'd say to people, why did you choose us? And, and, and the common question or the common answer to that question was, we chose you because you're the only one that focused on our business. You're the only one that asked us questions about our people and the the atmosphere and the culture and like what's going on. And we really appreciated that because we want to do business with people that are going to respect our employees, treat us, give us that support. And I think that's a really good area for you to to go out there and capitalize on and just really differentiate yourself. Because when you're up against people that are not real people, and and people, 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 if that's a word of anything, (laughs) but when you focus up and go up against that, you're going to differentiate yourselves. And in today's world, I think You know, we see that that 90, 95% of the time when you can humanize your brand, humanize your company, it really sets yourself up for the most success. But leverage the automation data and the things that can happen. I'm by no means saying get rid of people or don't do automation. I think it's just mining it the correct way and leveraging it to empower your people to be able to have those relationships, in my mind, is a home run.
0: Yeah, I'm going to quote you, Scott, and then let you finish um, because it r- d- talks directly to Dan, Where you you said once in 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 one of these interviews that uh, the quality of your relationship with your customer will be amplified by the amount of work that you put in analyzing the data that you have about them, and uh, that that to me is is, is 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 golden because you still need to. Play with the data to get to the quality information because it's not just hi how are you going want a cup of coffee. It's hi how are you going. You need one of these.
1: Um, it's yes, to but buy. to to pull some of that uh, the previous commentary apart. If you're an MSP, a mid-range or a small MSP, I think the opportunity is absolutely vast. I don't. I don't actually because I'm a startup guy. I've never believed this thing that you can't compete against the globals because you know they they buy more. So simply, they're better. The thing with Um, businesses at any level, you've got to compete where you're appropriate. But what you're trying to do is just go that little bit further up the food chain, a little bit further up the food chain. And as you grow, you've got to be dynamic. And the reason the big guys are the big guys is because they're doing the same thing they've been doing for however many years. They usually have got legacy systems that are wrapped around their necks and they can't really move out of that and you have an opportunity to change up your customer's entire experience based on your offering services and the underpinning automation. As far as the people part is concerned, well, you know me, the, the great places to work and the companies we've had, I'm about giving my people creative things to do. Because creativity is something humans enjoy doing. If you give them data entry jobs, it's not really creative. and You know, I don't know how people continue to do that particular Um, function over an entire lifetime. I mean, I couldn't think of anything worse. So if you can get the platforms and systems from both of our organizations to take the boredom out, then you can do the creativity. The leader can focus on working on the business rather than in the business. And you start to cook with gas, basically, although gas is very expensive. Now, we'll have to find another analogy. Cook on electricity, whatever it is. So Really, what I'm trying to do is inspire, if you're an MSP watching this and you're a mid-range or smaller one, there is a huge amount of opportunity to drink from the fire hydrant. You've just got to position yourself right and think about what that business is that you're building, not just be out there selling.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for that um and thank you for both of you that's some real gems here we'll, uh, we'll 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 distill that and cut them in bits and pieces and get that out to different parts of our audience as well uh to make it relevant guys before we close off um is there anything that uh we've left on the table that you need to uh tell our audience before we wrap it up
2: i just want to say thanks for having me on and i look forward to to talk to- to connecting with a lot of your listeners and answering any other questions that maybe they have, but appreciate being able to be on.
0: Absolute pleasure, Dan, and we'll get those to you. Thank you, man. And Scott?
2: Uh, well, I'm more about
1: trying to get people to be entrepreneurial. If they take something away from this, whether they use any of our platforms or not, um, then I'm happy. And, and you know, of course, reach out if I can be of any assistance. And thank you for being on the show. You.
0: Uh, thank you. Thank you, both of you. Uh, everybody,
1: thank you again
0: uh, for tuning in. See you very, very soon. We've got some really exciting ones coming up, uh, just like uh, the one that we've had today with Dan and Scott. If you're an MSP, uh, you're going to need to uh, look at this and look at it again. There's some real gems, things that I didn't even think of. So, thank you, guys. Uh, thank you, everyone, for coming in, and we'll see you on the next one. All the best.